Welcome to my podcast, Dating Over 50, The Pleasures and the Perils. One thing I can promise for every episode, I will be authentic about my experiences and observations and do it with as much humor as possible. Not always possible, but generally speaking, it is. Beyond that, I will keep making the point that we're all in this together and that no one should ever, ever feel alone or judged in any way. I think we can all agree that dating over 50 is hard enough as it is. After you listen, you're welcome to comment on my Lynn Garson author page on Facebook. But for now, keep listening for another new episode. Hi, everybody. I'm Lynn Garson, and welcome to Episode 6 of Dating Over 50, The Pleasures and the Perils. I can't believe it's Episode 6 already. Well, this is all very exciting for me. I hope it is for you, too. Last episode, I launched the first of a series of conversations about the patterns I identified in my different dating experiences described in Sex and the Single Grandma. There were four patterns that I noticed. I'm sure there are probably more. But the four were neediness and rushing it. That's that's one. Two was not speaking up for myself. Three was overlooking reality in favor of the fantasy. And four was not owning my own self-worth. And I saw these appear in really most of the guys that I talk about in the book. So last time we talked about neediness and rushing things. Today, I'm going to talk about not speaking up for myself. And that pattern appears in almost every dating relationship in the book. Alan, George, Richard, and Zane. Um, the only one I think it doesn't show up in is uh, Peter. And, and, you know, just <laughs> that's an accident, I guess. Uh, so I wonder why that pattern shows up all the time in all these dating experiences. Well, I thought about that, and it didn't take me long. So remember in the introduction when I talk about being raised in the South? I wasn't kidding. I was taught never to put myself first, to always be polite, and to make sure everyone else was okay. I think I describe in Southern Vapors, that was my first book, an experience, and it makes me laugh to remember, it's absolutely true, I have a friend, and she's still a really good friend of mine from years and years and years. We were in high school. And when she would come over to my house to spend the night, I would, of course, graciously let her have the pillows, and I would sort of lounge at the end of the bed and and be a little bit uncomfortable and nowhere to put my head or rest while we talked, as girls talk on and on and on and on. And then when I went to her house, it was the strangest thing But she still was on the pillows at the head of the bed, and I was at the foot of the bed, uncomfortable as before. Did I ever say anything? No, no, I never said anything. I just sat there. So that was when I was about 16, maybe 15. And here I am, 65 years old. And I will tell you that today, even today, when Alexa says, have a nice day, I automatically say, thank you, you too, every single time. And if you don't know what Alexa is, real quickly, it's a little tower, and I know I'm not explaining this correctly, that sits in my kitchen and in my bathroom, and I ask Alexa what time it is, I ask Alexa to play music, I ask her what the weather is, 
And sometimes she'll tell me something and then tell me to have a nice day. I know that everyone else in the world has Alexa cook them dinner and start the car and do everything else, but I'm a little bit limited when it comes to these things. So that's what Alexa does for me. So how does all of this translate to dating? Are you kidding? Have you read the book? Have you heard any of the other episodes in this podcast? Because I think it's pretty clear. And let's start with Alan, though, for example. Anybody else would have left. First of all, they never would have gone into Alan's house once they saw where he lived and, and what it was like. I sailed on in with a lot of trepidation. And there were probably at least 14 different points throughout the evening where any other rational human being would have left the house. What did it take for me to do something so impolite as to leave someone's house? I had to have an experience with an intruder in my bed. And I'm not going to describe that intruder because that is a funny part of the book. And it is captured in video and available on the lynngarson.com website, should you like to see it. So that is Alan and the idea of not speaking up for myself just happened over and over and over and over. But the poster child for this, and excuse me, I've had a cough and a cold, so if, it's, if I sound a little bit like that, it's because it's just going away. Uh, the poster child is, of course, George. George is the uh, part of the book that contains the only explicit sex scene in the book, which I know sounds a little odd for a book called Sex and the Single Grandma, but it's really the only explicit scene. There's other sex in the book, but this is explicit. And so what does this entire scene turn on? Not speaking up for myself. And that's, of course, this pattern. But I do have to say, for that one, it's a little bit more complicated. And I am, once again, going to disclaim any political intent whatsoever. I have none, none, zero, zilch. But because of what's current in what we're talking about these days, this might sound like, you know, shades of Me Too, shades of, of feminism, and, and it sort of is, but I'm not making a political comment. I'm talking only about myself and my own experience. So I went to college in 1971. I was there 71 to 75 at Tulane in New Orleans. And we were, I mean, I don't know if people think that that was still the sexual revolution, but for us it was, and for me it was, coming from the South and going to a high school that was still mostly separated between the girls' school and the boys' school, college was really eye-opening for me. And part of the, the lore and, and what you took in in those days, at least for me, was if you said no to having sex at like the third date or so, you were uncool and nobody was going to want to go out with you. And the reason for that is because we were supposed to be like men. That was the the part of the sexual revolution. And for a lot of men, as we, you know, I, I think this, it's been my experience, sex is not the big deal that it can be for women. It's a lot easier for a lot of men to separate their hearts from their heads. And we know that. That's been talked about and written about ad nauseum. Um, I'm not saying that's true of all men. I'm not saying it's true of men at different stages of their lives. But in college, that's pretty true. 
Uh, so that was one aspect of early feminism. But the flip side is exactly what the Me Too movement about is be who you are and own your own power. Uh, and then there was the, I don't even know how to describe it, but basically, well, I got myself into this mess and maybe it's not a big deal and just go with the flow. So that was a lot of thinking going on with George's penis right next to my vagina, to be frank. So what did I do? Nothing until it was too late because I'm busy thinking, oh, should I, should I? And, and then it's too late. Um, am I scarred for life? No, not in the least, but it was instructive, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. I'll just wrap up quickly with the other two guys just to make it rounded out. So Richard, Richard was the guy that had the heart uh, surgery that told me he had some minor procedure, and I was the nice person and went anyway and took him out for coffee. That was not a big deal, but I still did something that uh, I really didn't want to do instead of what I did want to do. And Zane, which is the final part of the book, again, I did a lot of things I didn't want to do, but a little bit differently because I actually got a little bit scared of him as time went on and he showed me his whatever kind of knife he had and, um, you know, I, I don't remember if he had it or just talked about collecting knives and things. And I, I got a little bit uncomfortable with that since I was with him in New York City on my own and, in fact, did not know him very well. Uh, so what did I learn from all of this? Like I keep saying, I'm a slow learner. You may think these are things that somebody should have learned eons ago, and that may be true for many people. But for me, I am a slow learner. But when I do finally learn something, it sticks, I'm happy to say. So I learned that I don't owe anybody anything, least of all some guy that I barely know, which in, in all of these instances, these are not people I'd lived with for two years. These were people I didn't know very well. And the idea that I owed them anything instead of speaking up for myself was uh, not something that I thought I needed to keep holding on to once I figured it out. So I've learned that the sky won't cave in if I speak up for myself. The guy may not like it. He may even walk away. And oh, well, I'll live to fight another day. In fact, I have a date tonight and one tomorrow. So it's a bonanza. If they turn out well, either one, I will report to you next time. So wish me luck. I hope that it's good. If it's not, I'll tell you about that too. But until then, have a wonderful week or two, and remember that we are all in this together. <laughs>